0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every
1: day. What's you doing? Ran out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you. Bye, wedding ceremony stop at Metro PCS you get two free phones with twice as much memory really? don't say bye to your memories switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines Metro PCS wireless figured out coverage not available in some areas sales tax not included in phone price excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network see store for details and terms and conditions you are locked on Vikings your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast part of the
0: locked on podcast network your team every day
1: Locked on Vikings, Locked on Podcast Network, episode 267. Sam Ekstrom, Sage Rosenfeld, September 13th, a beautiful day in Minneapolis. Sage, coming back from Kansas City. How was you 2 my friend? U2 is
0: great. Uh, that's the third show that I've seen, and uh, as, as good as ever. They, they uh, put on a fantastic show, even if you're not a YouTube fan. Um, which there are a lot out there. But if you're not a YouTube fan, they put on a great concert, and it seems like you usually know at least half or, or three-quarters of the song. So it was a lot of fun. Very happy I went.
1: Yeah, we were talking off air about how the acoustics, evidently, when they played at U.S. Bank Stadium a week ago, were pretty poor. Was that concert that you went to at Arrowhead, was that outdoor
0: Yeah, it was an Arrowhead and it was pretty good. Uh, There was occasionally you'd sort of hear some echoes off of those big Chiefs signs in the end zone, Uh, but I think having it outdoors uh, for the most part, it was, everything sounded pretty dang good. So uh, I've been to big concerts, whether it's in arenas, but more in in those big domes like the Metrodome and they almost never sound good. Uh, So yeah, outdoors is is much better than, than a dome concert.
1: Well, the Dome experience Monday night was pretty good for the Minnesota Vikings. They beat the Saints 29-19. I sort of monologued about the game on yesterday's show, but it's time to bring you into the mix. Uh, What did you think? Were you impressed by what the Vikings showed against Drew Brees and company?
0: I don't know if I could imagine that offense being much better, uh, in particular in the passing game. I mean, it was incredible how well Bradford played. Uh, how accurate he was. We've always talked, if the guy can get time, he is a very accurate quarterback It doesn't miss very often. And he was hitting Adam Thielen or, or whoever it was, Stephon Diggs, in just perfect stride. It was like a routes-on-air session with no defense out there. So uh, he looked great. I, I saw he was just named NFC Offensive Player of the Week uh, today or last night. Um, he probably had the. I, I think he probably had the best game as a pro. Uh, Sam Bradford, in that football game. So you know, Thalen looked great. Diggs looked great, obviously. Uh, the, the, it was nice to have a running game again. And uh, uh, to, to see their, their young running back, Cook, you know, run for over 100 yards, 120 yards in that game was uh, it was very refreshing. But you do have to always take into account the fact that the Saints, I believe, were 31st in the league last year in pass defense and one of the worst defensive teams in the NFL. So uh, it's it's great. They played great offensively. Uh, but they're also going against one of the worst in the league defensively.
1: Yep, that's a good reality check that people will need to take into account. They did what they were supposed to do, though, against a bad defense. Do you remember that throw? Jarius Wright on the near sideline, like a crossing pattern where Yeah, it's phenomenal. Oh my phenomenal, gosh. Yeah. And if you look at the the view from behind, you've got a corner blanketing him on the front side and safety help from behind. And you barely see Jarius Wright on the replay because he's covered up from the front side and somehow Bradford put it in there despite getting hit amidst his delivery.
0: Well, and that, people don't really realize those are the types of throws great quarterbacks make. And, uh, you know, really Tom Brady's made throws like that many times in the past under pressure, even in bad weather conditions. I mean, Aaron Rodgers makes throws like, like that more often than not. It seems like that was an unbelievable throw, and it just shows how good you have to be in the NFL uh, to be a top-shelf quarterback. And that was, that was a top-shelf throw.
1: I liked our X-Factors segment that we did for last season's game. So why don't we uh, talk X-Factors? Obviously, Sam Bradford was a a clear-cut MVP from that game. Uh, Who's somebody who flew under the radar for you that that was impactful? I'll, I'll start. I will go with Pat Elfline, the center. I thought he was marvelous. In his rookie debut, I thought he he got the calls right. Clearly, he protected well. I don't believe that the one sack was on him. I looked, I saw him running downfield with Dalvin Cook on some of those outside runs. I thought he was outstanding, and he's really, I think, going to be the core of that offensive line for a long time.
0: Yeah, I'll go with the whole offensive line. You know, the receivers get the get the big numbers. Uh, Bradford with the huge game himself, Cook over 100 yards. But it all starts up front with the offensive line. Uh, they've gotten a lot of, uh, they've gotten a lot of uh, uh, pressure from people like you and me who have complained about them for the last uh, year or so. And they really came through, uh, not only run the football, but, but pass protecting. You know, that, that pocket was, was beautiful on, on a lot of the throws. The tackles did a nice job of forcing the ends up the field and around Bradford for, for him to step up. And the key is uh, on the inside. Uh, when, when the defensive ends go around the outside of the quarterback, There has to be space by the center and the two guards to hold firm in the middle so the quarterback can step up into the the pocket and be an accurate thrower. And He had a pretty good pocket for the most part on Monday night.
1: And after the game in the locker room, all of the skill position players that were being interviewed, they were all lauding the offensive line with credit and and sort of taking some shots to the media saying, well, you guys don't like to say anything nice about them, but they were amazing tonight, and we will say nice things about them now. That was an outstanding performance. I think they deserve the things that were said about them before, but this is a new group, this is a new season, and they got off to a fantastic start. As far as the Saints go, you kind of feel bad for Drew Brees because I don't know how many more years he has left in his prime, but he's going to be 39 years old soon, and I just don't think that defense is ever going to be in a position to help him out uh, before he's going to have to call it quits.
0: Yeah, and on top of it, it seems like the Saints are always one of the worst in the league with dead money. They seem to waste a lot of money on some a lot of bad contracts and, and uh, release players after maybe a year after getting a big contract, which you know uh, brings all that uh, signing bonus money up to the next year. And, and this year is no different with the Saints. They're one of the worst of the leagues with with dead money. So because of that, they don't they can't pay guys who are currently on the roster all that much, in particular on their defense and it ends up, ends up being a shootout, and Breeze is throwing the ball a ton and taking a lot of hits, and uh, it's, it's, it's a tough situation for him to be in. He'll put up big yards this year, but you know, probably a good chance he won't put up big big uh, big wins this year.
1: What did you make of the Saints' running game, particularly the way they, they utilized their three backs and got Adrian Peterson just six carries? It was 2016 Vikings-like, the way they ran the ball. Less than three yards a carry nobody had more than 20 yards and nobody developed any sort of rhythm what did you think of peterson in his return
0: well i thought he looked good actually i mean i think he looked fine there there wasn't a ton of runs for him to you know he only can do as well as the offensive line they had one of their tackles go down early in the game they don't run the ball that well anyway uh there wasn't really really much adrian could do you know six carries um, when, they, when they split it amongst three running backs, six carries isn't that that bad, actually. Uh, I know it's like one of the lowest of his career, but we um, had taken to the fact that they were losing the entire fourth quarter and you know, having to throw the ball a lot more than run it at the end of the football game. Uh, it wasn't surprising to me that he only got six carries.
1: Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. There was that perceived little rift with Peterson and Peyton on the sideline. There was a short video captured by ESPN cameras. Did you see that?
0: I did. It looked like Adrian sort of yelling at at the, his head coach for you know not giving him the ball more or something like that.
1: Is this something that maybe happens more often than we know, or do you think this is an issue? I guess more or less. Well, I, I never like it
0: when a coach or when a, when a player really or a coach, but really when a player goes to a coach and and emphatically on the sidelines uh, yells at them about something. Uh, it's just it's never a good look. Uh, it's sort of, a, you know, football is not a democracy. Um, it is a, uh, it's a dictatorship, and the head coach runs the show, believe it or not. That's just the way it goes. Um, and, and they can get in those discussions another time. But on the sidelines, it, uh, it sort of looks like uh, you're trying to tear down the credibility of the head coach, and you put the head coach in a tough situation where he either has to yell back at one of his players, which doesn't look good, or say nothing, which looks like he's being walked all over, uh, by one of his players, so it's, uh, in my opinion, definitely not the right thing to do, and maybe that's part of the reason the Vikings decided to let him go.
1: Well, they said all the right things after the game, so they didn't exacerbate that situation, but that's the last thing that you want out of sort of a high profile running back coming in. He, he didn't do anything in the game. He hasn't established credibility with that head coach yet, uh, based on what he's done there. Not a good look for Peterson at all, and you know, I'm not sure you can put too much on Peyton there. Just because of the way the game was going, he had to pass the ball to catch up. And when you're going to pass, you're not going to put in one of your weaker pass blockers in Adrian Peterson. And and sometimes I wonder if Peterson realizes his limitations. That's kind of my, my thing with Peterson.
0: No, I, I don't think he does. I don't think you realize that he's really not good in pass protection. I don't think you realize that he's not a really good route runner. And he's not a guy you want to have out there. When it's an obvious passing down, he doesn't, you know, beat linebackers one on one very well in one on one routes uh, in the passing game, and he also doesn't realize he's on the New Orleans Saints. They're one of the biggest pass happy teams in the NFL, and I, I I don't know if he's wondering that once he joined the team, all of a sudden they're going to turn into the 1986 Chicago Bears uh, and be a ground and pound type of team. Uh, they aren't. That's the team he signed with for whatever reason. Uh, he's not going to be getting 25 carries a game, and that hasn't happened regularly for the New Orleans Saints since Sean Payton Sean Payton and Drew Brees have been there now for over 10 years.
1: So my Twitter mentions were filled with vitriol over my 7 and 9 season prediction. Did you get any of that going <laughs> your way?
0: I had plenty of that too. People could not believe that, you know, 7 and 9, 8 and 8. How could how dare we uh, we do that to the team, but I, I thought we were just being honest. We we both hope that they win 10 or 11 or 12 games, um, but uh, you know I, I think that we were just being fair based off of last year and based off of what we had seen so far this year. There was really nothing to uh, prove to us that all of a sudden they're going to win three more football games.
1: Well, I'll say this. If they can duplicate their performance against Pittsburgh on Sunday – That might go a long way toward changing our opinion. So they take on the Steelers on the road. Steelers kind of sneaked by the Browns. They were not dominating by any means. They led that game most of the way, and then Cleveland closed a little bit at the end. But they had seven sacks, and look out. They have a pass rusher named Watt. T.J. Watt, brother of J.J. Watt, had two sacks and two and a half tackles for loss in that game. Another Watt that the Vikings will have to deal with against Pittsburgh. they also have to deal with Antonio Brown, and that is going to be a fun matchup to watch with Brown and I'm assuming Rhodes shadowing him all over the field.
0: Yeah, that would be a great matchup. Uh, you know, they sort of have the three-headed monster in Pittsburgh on offense with Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown and Ben Roethlisberger, quarterback. So they're, they're very explosive offensively. Martavius um, Bryant's a very good number two receiver coming off suspension. Uh, their, their tight end, Jesse James, played very well in that football game. I know they've been looking for a tight end uh, for the last few years since uh, Heath Miller was sort of Ben Roethlisberger's Jason Witten. And, uh, you know, he's retired a couple of years ago. So, that you know, hopefully for them they can find a good replacement with Jesse James or another one of their tight ends. But, you know, defensively is their weakness. If they're not a super strong defense the Dick LeBeau defense of the past are gone, but if the Vikings can win this football game, and be off to a two and zero start, obviously their, their season will look, uh, you know, very hopeful going forward. Obviously, it's it's easy to remember they were five and zero last year and ended up losing five in a row. So uh, hopefully, they can find, be more a consistent team this year. And again, I think they'll be more consistent if the offensive line just plays eighty percent as as good as they played uh, on Monday night.
1: One last note on T.J. Watt. He also had an interception in that game, so that he had a heck of a game there in the, in the debut. They had seven sacks of Cleveland, and that allegedly improved Cleveland offensive line, so that'll be a good test for the Vikings' offensive line. What did you think, I guess, of the Vikings' secondary against the Saints altogether, and do you feel like they're equipped, even with Trey Waynes covering perhaps Martavis Bryant, how do you think that's going to go?
0: Well, I think the Vikings... Secondary matches up pretty good against everybody. I mean, they've got a premier corner, which you know can go on a premier wide receiver on the other team, and then I think the other players in secondary are good enough to match up with whoever teams you know throw at them. Uh, one of the bigger struggles when teams have really good tight ends, uh, you know, Harrison Smith is a, is a great safety, but he's not a great one-on-one safety. Uh, he's either a great free safety or he's a great sort of in-the-box tackle safety. Uh, he's a great tackler, great blitzer. He's smart on the back end, but he's not a great one-on-one guy, which means uh, um, that Sandejo is the other, and, and he's not a great you know, cover safety either. So uh, that, that's that's sort of the weakness of the secondary is, is one-on-one. safety you have to go one-on-one with either wide receivers or tight ends. But I think they match up very well with this Pittsburgh offense, and I think it should be a really good game.
1: Ben Roethlisberger, 35 years old, multi-time Super Bowl winner, what do you think his outlook is for the Hall of Fame? Is he first ballot?
0: Yeah, you know, I wouldn't have said that years ago. Uh, I used to always think that he just sort of rode the running game. Early on, it was Jerome Bettis, and, and they had a great running game up there, and they had an awesome defense. They had a top-five defense for about his first eight years in the NFL. Uh, but as his – so he, you know, he he won those two Super Bowls fairly early, and, uh, and and as time progressed, I think he's become a better and better – quarterback that has, I think, shut himself into you know, first uh, ballot Hall of Fame status. That offense has really uh, ridden on his shoulders over the course of a lot, about the last seven or eight years, and, and he you know, does seem to play great in, in big games, and, and uh, he's one of those quarterbacks that scares you because he doesn't care who you're playing or where they're playing or what the weather conditions are. Uh, he'll give his team a chance to win, and, and uh, he's been a lot of fun to watch over the course of the last about 13 years.
1: Yeah, tough guy too. It seems like he's he's dealt with a lot of injuries in his career, but he always manages to play through them or come back from them and win some big games for that team. And with Mike Tomlin as head coach, you know the former Vikings defensive coordinator, Tomlin has really made a name for himself. He's been coaching for over a decade now. He'll have a conference call with the local media here. Last one on the Steelers, what's your impression of Mike Tomlin as a coach?
0: Well, I wish I would have had him. So when I got to Minnesota in 2009, uh, and, and he had been, you know, he, maybe he would left just like a year or two earlier. All the players in the team, offensively, defensively, they absolutely loved Mike T, and, and he sort of had legendary status. Uh, when when he, when you know, when I got to the Vikings, and he had just left. So obviously, players love playing for him. Uh, I love him in press conferences. I think he's absolutely perfect for that football team, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and their sort of their brand. And uh, I think he'd be a great, great guy to play for, and and I'm sure a great guy to work with uh, if you were a coach.
1: We will do a deeper dive on the Steelers on Friday and make our game predictions as well as some other predictions across the NFL. And we'll talk to you then, Sage. Sounds good. He's Sage. I'm Sam. It's Locked On Vikings on the Locked On Podcast Network. You can subscribe on iTunes or Audio Boom and listen at LockdownVikings.com, a FanRag Sports affiliate. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.